0: Um, I'd like us to turn in our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. Now this is going to be real long and real sour. Let me be the first to welcome home brother and sister Marks and Bray. He's getting a real good taste of what it means to be an evangelist. He'll be preaching here on Sunday. It's going to be great. We had we had one marks last Sunday. We're going to have the other marks next Sunday, and uh, we'll see what happens. Jesus name but it is great to see them it is just don't you just you know the Bible talks about what a joy it is to have your children walk in truth and even if they weren't evangelists I'm still proud of them they're just they're great Christians and brave's a Christian. He's not big enough to get in trouble. But uh, it's good to see him in Jesus' name. Now, this is going to be real long and real sour. I usually say short and sweet. And I thought a couple times, you know, it was neither. Neither. So I'm just going to tell the truth. It's going to be long, very long. Anyway, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just having a little fun before we get into the serious stuff. Hebrews chapter five, um, and we're going to start in verse number twelve. Hebrews. 5 and verse number 12 follow along here with me if you would we're going to we're going to go all the way to hebrews 6 and 3 but we're going to start here in verse number 12 for when for the time you ought to be teachers you have need that one teach you again which be the first Principles of the oracles of God and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Notice the contrast. In his explanation, he's actually going into the known development. And he starts with the babe. But look in verse 14. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age. Even those who by reason of use of their senses exercise to discern both good and evil. Now we're in... Hebrews chapter 6, verse number 1. Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection. That word perfection literally means completion. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of baptism, uh, pardon me, and of faith toward God and of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. Look at verse 3. And this will we do if, if God permit. I want, to, uh, I want to talk to us for a few moments tonight about spiritual formation. Spiritual formation. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We praise you. Thank you for these precious people that are here tonight pray that you open up our understanding with illumination. Help us to connect the dots, to comprehend the height, the depth, the length, and the breadth, and all the great things that you have for us. We ask it in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Now, I have looked at this particular passage of Scripture as as well as some of you that are sitting here tonight, if you've been around the church any time at all. The book of Hebrews is essentially a New Testament commentary of the Old Testament, but it doesn't really start building up some speed until you start here in chapter 3 and chapter 4 and it just it just rolls on all the way through but being that it is a general epistle and by saying that it is a general epistle that is meaning that in definition it is to all of the church everywhere there were some epistles We know this because even the title of the epistles, it says that they were, it was a letter of instruction that was written specifically to various churches around Asia Minor and beyond. But the epistle to the Hebrews is a general epistle, which means it was information to everybody. And so I really, I don't know exactly who The writer of Hebrews, we believe it's the Apostle Paul because of the depth and the grasp of the understanding of the Old Testament and his ability, incredible typology is brought forth in this book. Most expositors believe that it was the Apostle Paul. However, we are challenged here in Hebrews chapter 5 because we do not know exactly who he is referring to. By that, I mean where they are. It might just be that he is talking about a common spiritual experience or lack thereof that was common in the church at that time. I would probably have to side with that perspective. So it says that, for when for the time you ought to be teachers you have need that one teach you again which be the first principles of the oracles of god and he is saying that the people that he is instructing have been around long enough now that's that's a very physical phrase they've been around long enough doesn't really comprehend the spiritual processes that are required to bring about maturity. But nonetheless, he's identifying a situation that was there and he he is making reference to the fact that you ought to be in another place than really where you are. And the reality of it is that Every child of God, and I'll be more specific, that even in this building tonight, under the sound of my voice, all of us are somewhere on the continuum of spiritual growth. And God knows that. God knows that obviously better than anybody does. But there can be telltale indicators that can help us understand where we are. Well, this particular group here in Hebrews chapter number 5, we're at a time where the Apostle Paul that was a spiritual leader is saying, you should be in a place where you should be teaching other people, but you're, you're still needing to hear the basics. Okay? And then he goes on, he brings it into a more understandable form when he uses human illustrations when he says in verse number 12, and are become such as have need of milk. Well, this is not the first time that milk is used to describe a spiritual babe because First Peter chapter 2 and verse 2 says, desiring as newborn babes desiring the sincere milk, like a mother would nurse her child. So, this is not a compliment. The Apostle Paul is not, he's not angry, he's not anything, he's just, he's, he's being an apostle. And he is describing a reality that there are people that are still needing to grasp some of the things that they've already been given and not where they should be. There was almost like an arrested development that took place somewhere where they were not where they should be. And then he says, in contrast to verse 13, he says, but strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. He's describing somebody that is mature. So here in Hebrews 6 and 1, he's saying, listen, We need to leave all the the doctrine of salvation, the doctrine of repentance, the doctrine of baptism, all the essential primary first doctrines or first body of teaching that we've been exposed to and go on unto completion. And this final phrase in verse number three really captures the entirety of it when he says, this is what we will do if God permit. Why wouldn't God permit it? I don't think that that was just an idiom or an odd phrase that was just some human attachment to everything that's gone before. I think that the apostle understood that this is what we need to do if God will allow us. Now, spiritual formation is an incredible reality in the things of the spirit. And as I've already mentioned, everybody that's under the sound of my voice is in one dimension or another. I call it a dimension because it has dynamics. It has characteristics in each and every one of these dimensions. The very first dimension or phase or level, if you please, of spiritual formation takes place with salvation. Salvation, of course, is fully described in John chapter 3 when it talks about being born again of water and the spirit. But there's really a lot more going on in John chapter 3 than people really realize. Because Jesus is describing a spiritual process, a spiritual development that is first described in the physical. For example, in order to produce a child, the seed is produced by the father. The egg is produced by the mother. When the two get together, there is life. It's obviously very, very primitive. It's very, it's still without any development, but there is life there. There is what, conception. I don't care what the abortion clinics say, there is life there. Okay? Well, once you have conception, there are incredible physical processes that are taking place that are far beyond the observable eye. Remember where Jesus said that the kingdom of God cometh without observation. If you're on your cell phone right now, shame on you. Everybody hold up your cell phone. Okay, it's in a purse. Okay. Is it off? If it is not off, please turn it off in honor to the things of God. Thank you. Is that controlling? Or is that us preferring God? You got. You have 23 hours a day that you can spend... You can waste on social media if you choose to do so. But around here, let us collaborate and decide that we're dedicating this to the living God. Is that controlling? No, that's just somebody that, that's, that's just a group of people that's thinking right. That's just a group of people that's thinking right. Okay, so you have conception. Okay, now what? Well, now you have a nine-month gestation period, but what's happening is you have all kinds of data and information that is being miraculously transferred. You have gender is being determined. I don't care what the transgender crowd says. I don't hate them, but somebody's got to tell them the truth. The gender is being determined. The color of the eyes is being determined. The color of the hair is being determined. Uh, Different physical characteristics and and features and and all of this is being determined. And then when that child is ready to be born, the end fluid, the water... That is, that is protecting that child has to be broken before that child can come through the birth canal. When that child comes through the birth canal, for the first time in his life, he will take a deep breath of fresh oxygen, and he will cry. Okay? Okay? Several years ago, I was sitting out in the hallway with somebody that's here in this church, and we were, we were um, sitting outside the delivery room, and we were talking about the things of God, and all of a sudden, a baby's cry broke out into the atmosphere, and we both celebrated and praised God because we realized that another life has entered this dimension. Okay, that is the underlying basis of John chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. Okay? Nicodemus, of course, they didn't have microscopes, so he understood that to a certain degree, Even, even... doctors in that, in that age understood some of these things. Obviously, as I've already mentioned, they didn't have microscopes, but they understood some of these things. So in the spirit, Luke chapter eight says that the word is the seed. Okay? The human heart is the egg. And the minute that the human heart receives the word of God, faith come by hearing. So in the physical, you have conception. In the spiritual, you now have faith. It might be very rough. It obviously is very uneducated. It might be very crude, but there's still faith there. And so if that, individual that receives the Word of God continues to receive instruction and Bible studies and and people talking about the Word of God and facilitating these kind of things, where and his heart becomes enlarged, he comes to the place, he or she, comes to the place of now understanding that I need to be born again. And so then they're baptized in Jesus' name, and when they come out of the water, they will as they're filled with the Holy Ghost, they will speak in other tongues. Let's praise God for that. Every single one of us in this building have experienced that to some degree or another. So when Jesus said you must be born again, he was built on the established reality of how, what it takes to produce a physical life. And that is the first dimension of spiritual formation is salvific. The fact that a person experiences being born again. But now that you have a child, now you have to train that child. The very first word that a child learns is no. And that's because you're constantly keeping this child from sticking his fingers into a light socket getting into the cleaning materials under the kitchen sink, pulling the cat's tail until he gets scratched, putting things in its mouth it shouldn't put into its mouth, understanding boundaries, understanding limits, understanding rules, All with me out there. I told you this was going to be long and sour, and I was only kidding. We're gonna—it's really going to be short and sweet. But you got to get on board with me. Here's the deal: the second dimension of formation is where you learn. You learn. You you learn your limits. You learn. You learn the beginning stages of responsibility. You learn that there's places you cannot go. When you have rules without relationship, you have rebellion. Whenever you see people backsliding and people absolutely chafing against the words of God, the problem with a lot of Pentecostal environments is, is they're changing the rules, and they're not their rules to begin with. They are. It is the word of God. The Bible says, come out from among among them and be you separate. I don't care if you're liberal, conservative. That's a bunch of baloney anyway. I'm not doing that because it's a man-made deal. I'm doing that because I am now in the second. I am being formed. Christ is being formed in me. It's not man's will. It's the will of God. Oh, somebody clap your hands. The Apostle Paul is saying, Y'all already know, ought to know this stuff. We shouldn't have to be going defining what is worldly and what is Hollywood and what is worldly entertainment and what is wrong and what is dangerous. You ought to be out teaching Bible studies. Brother Cody Marks was just here, so this is my move right now. At a time when you ought to be, and if you're not careful, you'll stumble on that. Brother David, this is exactly where the nation of Israel stumbled. Because see, the first dimension of spiritual formation for Israel was blood on the doorpost, water baptism, pillar of fire by night, Cloud by day, they're out of the world. But with many of them, God was not pleased because they could not, would not accept the second dimension of spiritual formation, which is understanding God's ways. How about just being honest? How about being responsible? How about just being faithful? Man, you must be a super Christian. You go to church two to three times a week. No, I'm going to church because I want to be a super Christian, and I'm a long ways from being a super Christian. But I realize you're not going to be that somewhere else. See, somewhere there's an arrested development where we accepted this, and then there's a difficulty of accepting this. And it was in the wilderness. Where God does spiritual formation, where we learn to love God's word. That is exactly what the book of Numbers, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy was all about. And it was preparation for the third dimension, which is possession, possessing the land. But people get stuck. And the only way that you can get unstuck is you have to go back. The pr- the challenge is, is if you let your flesh adjust to being stuck, then the price tag is greater. Because the first time through, you had momentum. God was leading us by a pillar of fire, providing quail, manna from heaven. It was in the momentum of God's process. But the minute you adjust to being stuck, then it takes twice as much to get you dislodged where you can say, God, I want to get back in the flow again, and God will grant the flow again. And I'm preaching to some people here tonight. You're good people. I'm not here pointing down at anybody. I'm here to try to get you unstuck. And you got to realize, I don't understand all this, and it's starting to cost me something, and it's uncomfortable to my flesh. That's therefore a reason that we should not walk in the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof, but we should walk in the Spirit. For they that are led of the Spirit of God are on the sons of God. Clap your hands and give God the praise. But there are entire groups that are stuck. And when you're stuck, we become fussy. Our diet gets fussy. We, our tummy gets upset. Because liquid, especially liquid that was lukewarm, was actually used as a medicinal had a medicinal factor in it that you know I can't I can't handle that I got to I got to have something cuz I have an upset st- stomach God sees you in the third level of formation God sees every one of us in the third dimension Of spiritual formation, which is, I have now driven the giants out. I have now driven out the enemy. I am now able to run a household. I am now able to cultivate a vineyard. I am now able to pay uh, the, the first, the, the 10% of that field. I am, now, I am now accepting maturity. I can now raise a family. I can, oh, somebody help me out right now. I can now be what God wants me to be because I've gone through the wilderness and I'm now in the third level of spiritual formation. Let's lift our hands and just pray right now. God, by the authority of the name of Jesus, God, grant us a view of where we are and to keep moving. Keep moving. Don't rebuild the things that you once destroyed. Keep moving. This is this is 101 stuff. I never I listen, I never realized that I was going through this process. I was just, I was just all in. And I was by no means perfect. I'm by no means perfect tonight. It was desire. It was hunger. It was, it was, I was in love with God. You don't even feel it. It's like, all right, hand me a scalpel. This has got to come out. We got to do some cutting. This one's gonna go deep. But man, you just love God and love everything and love him with God. You don't even feel the incision, sort of, because just as soon as God can cut that bad stuff out, God replaces it with more agape, and replaces it with more grace, and replaces it with more peace, and re- overshadows it with joy, and replaces it with, come on somebody clap your hand, I want to go on, I want to go on under perfection, I want I want to be able to handle strong meat, I want to get away from immaturity, I want to get away from it. Let's clap our hands and give God the praise. There are reasons why people get stuck. The book of Deuteronomy has or pardon me, it's in the Book of Joshua. The book of Joshua is a book of transition. And it is transitioning from the second level of spiritual formation to the third level. And in the book of Joshua, there's an amazing statement that is made. He said, you're going to drive out the enemy in the third level little by little, and the reason for that is, is they were going to be able to establish the ground that they had, that they were going to be able to use. They didn't want to drive the enemy completely out. Why? Because the enemy is working in cultivating that land and as soon as we get strong enough and powerful enough and we get a few more bodies and we get blessed, we're going to put our sword on and we're going to drive the enemy out further. So there's a few things that God leaves in that third level. to guarantee our momentum. The worst thing that you can do is have a peace agreement with it and say, well, I got this problem and I'm just going to live with this problem. I don't recommend that. I recommend that you just hunker down go through a season of deep prayer and consecration and maybe some fasting and give yourself to God because God knew that that was there. God knew that the Philistines had a giant. God knew that there were giants on the perimeter. When the nation of Israel was ready to expand to the south, and isn't it interesting that where David fought Goliath was in Judah. They were needing to expand the boundary of Judah. And so Goliath represented more than just some uncircumcised Philistine. He represented geographical border. He represented perimetering a, a, a perimeter where you're never going to be able to grow beyond this, and you're only going to go so far, and, and you're, you're, you're going to serve us, and you're going to do what we said to do, and we're going to have the dominion, and you're going to do what we tell you to do. David came on the scene having already done that in his prayer closet, having already done that in the second dimension of formation, he was still under his father and he still established this, killing the lion, killing the bear and he brought that from the second into the third and now he said, the giant's coming down. Y'all with me? Now ladies and gentlemen, whether you like this or not, you're going to go through this. <laughs> Whether I like this or not. This is why it's, it's a huge deal what kind of spiritual environment that you're in. Because you're, if you're in an environment that lowers... You're, you don't even know what your expectation is. You're you're just you're just going through this voluntarily. But if you're in a spiritual environment that actually lowers the bar lower than what God really has for you, you may never really understand that corporately. You, you when you get into an environment that, that reveals these kind of we talk about this kind of stuff all the time to this congregation. And and you realize, you know what, the pastor is informing me that I'm that I'm going from here, but I'm gonna go up. It's gonna be greater. It's gonna be more vast. It's gonna be bigger. It's not gonna happen by just sitting there. It's not gonna happen by you just talking about it. It's not gonna be here because of your last name. It's not gonna be here because of things you want to do. You got to get down into the trenches and say, I'm going to grow. I'm going to be everything God has for me. I'm going to let Christ be formed in me. Those are the types of spiritual environments where people achieve and grow and conquer. No matter what else is going on in the world of Pentecost, no matter what is going on in the world that all of you and I are a part of, that's governed by Fox News and Congress, that has no bearing on what Jesus Christ is doing in your life. Nothing. It has absolutely nothing to do with it. And if you're not careful, you'll get your eyes off of what God wants to do in your life, and you'll put your eyes on stuff that doesn't mean a hill of beans, and it's not going to help you get where God wants you to get. The best thing to do is just say, you know what? I'm going to let other people worry about all that, but as for me, I want to get down, and I'm going to let God dig on me. I want to let God in me. I want to let God produce fruit in me. I want to let God produce an anointing in me. I want to let God have more power in me. Clap your hands and give God the praise. You're here tonight. Everybody in this building, you're being processed for something greater than you've ever dreamed. God knows how to give spankings. When you're you're in that third dimension or that third level, you really shouldn't get too many spankings. I mean, he does because he loves you. But the real spankings should be in that second level. Has anybody ever been spanked by God? Well, I just can't believe that God would do that as a loving doting father, really? Hebrews chapter 12 says, every son that he receiveth, he scourgeth. Go home, not tonight, because your cell phone is off, and look up the word scourgeth and report back to me on Sunday. It means, Brother David, beaten with rods. I'm hurting just thinking about it. And ladies and gentlemen, I got enough padding here for five people. But God knows how to make it hurt. But God doesn't do it abusively. God does it for the sake of correction. He does it, he does it to, to, to emphasize that, Oop, I don't want to do that because I want to be a partaker of his holiness. Let's lift our hands. I'm almost done, I promise. In the name of Jesus. If God says we don't go over to this neighbor's house because of this, I'm going to listen to my spiritual father. But rules without relationship equals rebellion. When I fell in love with my wife many, many moons ago, there were a bunch of rules that came with that. They were self-imposed. God had some, but there were some that that's just the way it is because of the relationship. But when you have rules and no relationship, you're thinking, this is why? 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 Why do I got to do this? Why do we got to do that? Why can't we do this? Why can't we do that? Not knowing that the rules will bring a greater dimension of relationship. They don't restrict you. They refine the purity of what's in the perimeter of those choices. Well, you're a married man. You shouldn't be looking at other women. Why, man? It's just... Just a glance, I've made a covenant with mine eyes. I'm not getting very many amens right now. Most of them is from the women. Most of the trouble that men fall into is because of this right here. Starts with the eyes but in the second dimension of spiritual formation is where I learn to mortify the deeds of my body. In summation, the apostle Paul is saying, you guys should be way down the road, and we're still talking about the very first dimension when you ought to be giving to other people. Now, surely there's nobody like that tonight, and it wasn't my point to come in here and try to condemn everybody. I, I don't like that. I don't think that's a viable form of motivation. But maybe you can see yourself in this tonight. Maybe you can see that there's some things, you know, God's been trying to get me to get rid of that. The worst thing that you can do is at one time say, God wants me to get rid of that, and you live so long in resistance to that that anymore you just don't even You just start packing it around. It becomes a permanent fixture in your life and you don't realize. Well, let me remind you. Go to Philippians chapter one and verse number six. Being confident of this very thing that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it. That's the word complete. God will complete it. God is never going to give up on you. God sees you to be Something powerful, something glorious, something wonderful, somebody blessed. A world changer. Not a pew sitter, a world changer. I don't even think the word pew is in the Bible. God doesn't see you just taking up the same spot every single week. God's got a new name for you. God's got an anointing for you. God sees you as a son and a daughter. God sees you as somebody powerful, somebody blessed. Let's stand to our feet and clap our hands and give him all the praise. Come on, let's give him praise tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Open up the windows of heaven, Father, I pray. and Give us a fresh understanding and a a fresh view of how you see me, God. I was minding my own business a couple weeks ago, if you can believe that. I've got... Ocean property in Arizona, I'd like to sell you. I heard just the clip of a song, and it just, it arrested me. All I heard was two lines of the chorus, and my mind, like a computer, started filling in the blanks. The The words of the song, and I'm not, I'm not glorifying worldliness or worldly singers, but it got me thinking about something. If you could see yourself like God sees you, you would never be bored again. You would never become dissatisfied or tempted to be dissatisfied with where you are on the continuum of growth. Here's, here's what I gotta say. Pray, pray. God, let me see myself like you see me. Let's lift our hands. Let's pray tonight. God, I pray that you'll rake back the covering. Yala mohuri, yala babarata, yala God, I, I want to get to that next level. I got I to get a passing grade. Show me, God. Reveal to me, Father. Use a visiting preacher. Use the pastor. Use, use, use an elder in the church. Use somebody to help me get dislodged so I can start moving again. Start moving towards my promised land. Moving towards my maturity moving towards my true purpose in this life. Oh, let's love him. Let's love him. You know what, this is a perfect time for an altar call. Maybe you're somebody here tonight after this and you just say, you know what, I just want to pray right now. Come on, this altar's open to you in Jesus' name. Let's find a place to pray, lift his name, talk to him, draw nigh unto him, Give him praise and give him glory. God, I want to be everything you see me to be, Jesus. I'm posturing myself, God. By the authority of the name of Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I praise you. God, I pray for these precious people here tonight. That each and every one of us, God, can get a revelation, an understanding of how you see us, God. In the name of Jesus. Oh, God, I pray for the mind of Christ tonight. God, I pray for the spiritual mind of Christ in every life, God, I want to move beyond milk. I want to get into strong meat where the protein is, where the strength is. God, I pray in the name of Jesus you assist and aid and strengthen every soul in this building tonight. In the name of Jesus, help us to achieve and to become and to accept the maturity that's rightfully ours. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We're not chained to something in the first level. We're not chained to something in the second level. But we're going to come boldly to that throne of grace. In the name of Jesus. 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 Jesus. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Help me Jesus. Grant me wisdom, God. Grant me supernatural insight into my own life, Jesus. No man knows their own heart, but God, I want to know what's in there. so I can please you in the name of Jesus.. In the name of Jesus. God, help me to want this. Help me to desire this. I love you, God. God, I pray that you'll open up the windows of heaven and pour out something so special, so powerful. So wonderful upon this group of people that all of us can walk with a certain supernatural circumspection and maturity in the name of Jesus. I love you, God. Hallelujah. 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 I love you, Jesus. All right, let's stand. Now, this was not long, and it was not gloomy. So... Let's lift our hands and just all of us love God together. God, my precious, my precious brother, in the name of Jesus, your goodness, your greatness, your graciousness. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, I want to grow. I want to grow. I want to grow. I don't want to get stuck. In Jesus' name. All right, shake hands, be friendly. Love everybody. Go home and get some cold milk and cookies. In Jesus' name.